Hello, welcome to Series 2, Episode 33 of the LDS Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts. We are going to finish our study of uh, January the 27th to February the 2nd, 1st Nephi, Chapters 16 to 22, I will prepare the way before you. And we are finishing with the final section in the personal study, uh, which is covering 1st Nephi 21, Who are the House of Israel and the Gentiles? Um, this answer is fairly straightforward, but there was quite a few things in First Nephi 21 that I found uh, quite interesting that I wanted to share with you. Uh, the manual explains it very clearly, uh, that the house of Israel uh, were the people, the covenant people of the Lord. Uh, they were descendants of Jacob, or who, changed his, or who, who had his name changed later to Israel. Um, however, generations later, they turned away from the Lord and were scattered. The Gentiles means people who do not have the gospel yet. Um, Isaiah taught in the latter days that Gentiles will be given the gospel and be instrumental in teaching and gathering the house of Israel. So there's the backdrop and the context. And I think it's interesting that Nephi has this fascination with the house of Israel and the Gentiles. Obviously, this is quite fresh for him. He is of the house of Israel. He is um, from the Jerusalem. And he um, leaves Jerusalem and his family leave Jerusalem um, and are, are broken off, as it were, as a branch. Uh, we see this analogy come up often in the Book of Mormon, uh, particularly in the uh, allegory of the olive, olive tree, of, in the allegory that Xenos gives. Um, and it's interesting because he clearly has this at the forefront of his mind. He knows that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed or has been destroyed by this point, uh, that many people have been scattered and lost. Um, and so this is quite a sore, well, not, this is not, not a sore point, but it's a, it's a point close to his heart. But then after Nephi uh, dies later in the Book of Mormon, we see it mentioned once by Jacob, and then that's it. It is that is the, the term Gentiles isn't used again until the Savior comes later, and then it's used by Mormon and Moroni, who of course have other reasons for um, wanting to know or wanting to understand the relationship that the Gentiles will have with their descendants in the latter days, why they have put this Book of Mormon together. Um, I think for me it shows an evidence of how the Book of Mormon is written by different people who have different priorities in their lives and things pressing upon their minds that, you know, these terms and this this um, concept of the Gentiles and the House of Israel is a very focal point for Nephi as he's just left that group and then it's a very focal point for Moroni and Mormon as they prepare this record for the future Gentiles and the gathering of Israel in the latter days. It's also talked about by the Saviour. Uh, who clearly uh, has that on his mind as he visits other lost sheep or other sheep of the fold that uh, he wasn't able to reach in his mortal ministry. In First Nephi chapter 21, verse 8, it says, Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard thee, O isles of the sea, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause thee to inherit the desolate heritage, heritages. That's a tricky word to say, heritages. Um, what's interesting about this is that this is talking about how in a future time, in the latter days, um, the Lord will establish a covenant or re-establish this covenant to the earth to bring back the desolate heritage, heritages. Um, and if you look in the footnotes, this makes reference um, to Second Nephi chapter 3, verse 11, as well as Mormon chapter 8, 16. And it's talking about the person that would bring this covenant back in the latter days, how this uh, covenants would be re-established through the work that he does to, or they do to bring back the house of Israel um, and they won't hunger or thirst anymore and in verse 11 and I will make all my mountains away and my highways shall be exalted um, and also in verse 9 it talks about how 
the prisoners that in, were in darkness shall um, be brought forth. And this is all, of course, talking about salvation, the work of salvation, the gathering of Israel, the, the work on the other side of the veil to bring covenant, the, the, rest, the restored covenants to those that did not be able, were not able to receive it when they were lost in the wilderness. And, of course, this all points to the work in the, rest, in the latter days and to the prophet Joseph Smith being this servant. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very clear to see once you kind of have all this together that this work has been prepared for, for hundreds of years. In First Nephi chapter 21, verse 15 to 16, we then see how the house of Israel is not forgotten or lost, that this is why this work is being done in these latter days. It says, For can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yea, I will not forget thee, O house of Israel. And then verse 16, I love this. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. I mean... I love how it says how they may forget me, but I will never forget them. And that is so true uh, with the, the state of the world that we're in, with the, the house of Israel. They, they forgot the Lord, uh, but he will never forget them. And that's why this plan is in place to bring them forth in these latter days, engraven on the palms of his hands, which, of course, was literally, literally fulfilled when he was crucified and then resurrected. And those, those um, the, the prints of the nails are in his hands for eternity. Um, not because they couldn't be, you know, fixed. We know that the power of the resurrection is is ultimate, is infinite, but it's there as a continual reminder for everyone that of what the Savior has done for us, which is just such a beautiful uh, image and a beautiful concept. Um, Lisa L. Harkness, in uh, October 2019, in a talk called "Honoring His Name," said this quote: "The Savior's atoning sacrifice should be remembered always through our thoughts, actions, and interactions with others." Not only does he remember our names, but he remembers us always, close quote. And I think that that's, you know, a wonderful quote, because I think we often love the idea that the Saviour knows us by name. We talk about how when uh, the first vision happened, that Joseph was called by his name, that the Lord knew his name. And in the um, revelation that Moses had, he was called by name. Um, and in many other instances, we see this. However, the fact is that he doesn't just know our name. It's actually even deeper than this. He knows us. He knows us intimately uh, because he has performed that atonement for us. He has engraven us on the palms of his hands. And this is why I love the Book of Mormon. This, this, these words of Isaiah, you know, I, I've never really come to appreciate them as much. But when they're kind of placed in this context of the, the story of, of Nephi and his family traveling in the wilderness... And then we read of this in Isaiah. It just hits home just how much the Lord knows us, shows us his tender mercies, and then is, is able to deliver us from um, out of the hands of people or, or even just influences that would, would do us harm. Um, it's just such a beautiful um, chapter, this, 1 Nephi 21. Uh, and verse, uh, ch first chapter, uh, first Nephi 21, verse 22, it says, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And again, another image, another symbol of missionary work, of the great work of salvation that we can take part in on both sides of the veil and complete families and bring them together to the joy of the gospel is, is a fabulous thing. Um, James O. Mason uh, gave a quote in um, October 1994 called Progresses in Africa. And he said about um, this great work and how everyone has a part to play. 
obviously we know of young missionaries in the church and um, brothers and sisters are encouraged to um, go on a mission and to serve the Lord. Um, but we also know that there are other opportunities to serve. Senior couples who have this uh, perhaps um, sacrifice of time which they are able to give in some way. Um, you know, we've had a great focus in our stake recently about senior couples and senior missionaries and trying to get more people to, to really sacrifice, yes, some time, but then see that great blessing that can come through that service. Um, this talk given by James O'Mason uh, talks about this in October 1994, and he says this, quote, Rich and eternal are the rewards as these couples nourish and carry in their arms and upon their shoulders the truth-seeking people they are called to bless. Sacrifice may be required. Required Discipleship is not always easy, but life is never the same for a couple who have tasted the sweetness and joy of missionary service. Otherwise, uh, why do so many return for second and even third missions? More couples are urgently needed in Africa and elsewhere. My brothers and sisters who are retired or approaching retirement, please prayerfully consider the rich blessings that flow from missionary service. If you should bring, save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy in the kingdom of my father, close quote. And it's amazing because in the 26 years that have followed since this talk was given, it's been made even easier. There's a website now that people can go to and literally pick a mission from. Just apply a couple of search filters and, and it's narrowed down to exactly what they would want to do. Me and my wife have talked about this and, you know, I'm quite excited that in, you know, something number years, <laughs> uh, we might have the opportunity uh, to go and to serve the Lord together. I mean, I love my mission. Um, but one of the things that, and, and uh, don't get me wrong, you know, it was an experience that I will never trade back, that I'll never forget and I'll always be grateful for. But one thing that I, you know, think was missing from that was being able to serve it with my wife, my eternal companion. And so the fact that we will have the opportunity in future life is such a great blessing to know. Um, anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this study. Um, you know, some bits, highlights out of 1 Nephi 21 there that I like. If there's anything that you learnt or studied, please share it at mattsroberts90 on Twitter or email session at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and until we meet again.